Good evening. Good evening. There we go. Uh, just before we get started full swing here, I do want to just let everyone know in case you missed the memo, we are taking communion this evening. So if you do not have your emblems, they're uh, located back there on the back table. I would ask you to um, find your way back there and get those. Before we dive into scripture, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we give you thanks. Hmm. <laughs> we give you thanks, Lord, for all that you do. Lord, so many songs have fallen before me this week, pointing, look at what he's done. Look at all that he's done. And Lord, they stopped me. And I looked. And Father, when I stop and I look and I gaze in your presence, I see that cross. The reason that we come together week after week, Lord, especially the reason we gather here tonight. Father, you've done so much for us. Tonight, Lord, as we take this time and set it apart for worship and remembrance of all that you have done, Lord, I just ask that your spirit would fill this room. You're already here, but Lord, we invite you. Come, dwell among us, inhabit our praises. We're here to worship. Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would anoint the ears and the hearts of all of your people to receive this word that you've laid on my heart. And Father, at the same time, I ask that you reach down and touch my lips with a refining coal, that I would speak only the words that you give me and none of my own. Mm. Be among us tonight, Lord. We praise you. We give you thanks in the mighty and holy name of Jesus. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Tonight, the um, message title, you don't have bulletins, you don't have insert, you don't even have a PowerPoint. But the message title tonight is impossible. Not possible, but impossible. Why? Because as I got to thinking about what we're here for. As I started to consider where tonight's message should go, of course I thought about Jesus. Of course I thought about the cross. But I thought about the disciples. That's what we are. Amen. We're disciples. Yes. And, and I thought about the disciples. And, and so... Since we're disciples, let's just, let's just put a little bit of a modern spin on this for just a moment. I want you to think about a time, because I know that this has happened to all of us, that the phone rang in the middle of the night. And when it jolts you out of that sleep, you might not even say hello. Maybe you say, what's the matter? What's wrong? What happened? 
consider that you're very close friends, not only with Jesus, but with all of his friends, all of his disciples. And about six in the morning, your phone rings and it jolts you out of sleep. What's wrong? And you hear one of the disciples say they've arrested him and they're going to crucify him. No. Impossible. Not Jesus. Are you sure? I'm sure. They've arrested him. They're going to go through with this. When you put it in that perspective, it stings a little bit, doesn't it? Impossible. Not our best friend. After all he's done, he's, he's taught these beautiful sermons. He's laid hands on the sick. And they're well. And they hold that against him. Hmm. If you want to turn in your Bible... You're welcome to turn with me to Mark chapter 15. Otherwise, it'll be displayed here on the screen for you. We're going to read the passage before we continue. I'm going to read the, the entire passage from Mark 15, 16, all the way down through verse 41. And it says this, The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers, they put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine with myrrh, but he didn't take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, so, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. 
In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and the younger and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It's a painstaking passage of scripture to really sit and think about. It's deep. We always so easily think of Jesus as part of the Godhead, but he was human too. He felt every nail. He felt that crown of thorns. He heard and thereby felt every insult. Folks, he felt his body fail, hanging on that cross. Now, there's some things that I want to point out to you from this passage. Because I think they're important. When we come to Good Friday, I think we almost expect to come to church and mourn. And you're probably sitting here right now thinking, and Eric, you're preaching a kind of sorrowful message. Well, right now, that's going to change. Here's what I want you to look at. Verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. It got dark. When I read that, I read that time and time again. And, and I'm seeking the Lord and saying, 
what's special here? I, I know there's something deeper. And he just kind of taps you on the head and says, yeah, think about this. This is your area. Oh, yes, Hebrew. Take it back to Hebrew, Eric. The number three is so significant. In fact, it's so significant that it gets reiterated here. It says, the darkness came and covered the whole land until three in the afternoon. And then immediately following in verse 34, it says, at three in the afternoon, that's its repetition. Okay, if you, if you go back to manuscripts, it's going to say things like at the sixth hour, at the ninth hour, but we translate these onto our time zones so that we can make a little more sense of them. Darkness covers all the land. All of creation mourns because her creator has been crucified. All of creation gets dark gets sorrowful because there hangs her creator who took on flesh. He's dying and his creation is sad. And so it's darkened for three hours. The number three in God's language, is the number of divine fullness. There was a divine plan for nature to mourn for three hours. And at the end of that three hours, there's a lesson for us. The darkness didn't stay. So now we want to think on that. The darkness didn't stay. We come to church sometimes on Good Friday expecting to come into this glooming time of mourning. But folks, the darkness didn't stay. The same as when we take communion. Sometimes we make it this deep, sorrowful thing when it's something to be celebrated because the darkness didn't stay. It only lasted three hours until the divine fulfillment came. Hallelujah. Yes, the divine fulfillment. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now let me tell you, Jesus, yes, Jesus was part of the Godhead. He knew this plan. Remember just, just a while earlier, he was praying, saying, Father, take this cup from me if there's any other way. But nevertheless, not my will. But yours, Daddy. Yours, Abba. And so we look at all of this and then I'm, I'm thinking in terms of communion which we're going to come to right now. And I go through the gospel accounts of communion and this is what I take note of. In Matthew 26, Jesus sits with his disciples and he says, do this. 
It's an instruction. Take, eat, take, drink. And then I turned into Mark, in Mark 14, and Jesus says, do this. Take, eat, take, drink. And then I turned to Luke 22, and Jesus says something really specific. Do this in remembrance of me. And so I run back and I'm looking through original languages. I'm like, all right, what's that Greek word actually mean in remembrance? And it literally means don't forget me. Just remember me. Break that bread, drink that cup, and know what I did. And then you go to John. And I said, John must have been yelling at Judas. Because he missed that part. That's a little levity for you. But literally, remember me. What do I take away from that? Jesus never said, keep mourning my death until I come. He just said, don't forget me. And then you look down and you look at Paul's teaching in, in his first letter to the Corinthians. And, and Paul patterns that same message that Jesus taught. And he says this, Do this in remembrance to show the Lord's death until he comes. Do this to proclaim it. Do this to show it. Make it public. Do this to make it known, Jesus died for me. He hung on that cross with me on his mind. The darkness didn't last. If you will, open your communion emblems. And I'm just going to give us a minute to think about this. With, with a bread wafer in your hand, with a cup in your hand, tell yourself, the darkness didn't stay. This isn't an occasion for mourning. This bread and this cup in my hand signify the body and the blood of Christ. And it's worth celebrating. But we do this in remembrance. So tonight, with bread in hand, with cup in hand, remember him. Remember that Jesus, yes, Jesus hung on a cross for you. And he bled for you. And when you partake of these, you're telling everyone around you, I receive that sacrifice. I receive that sacrifice to the fullest. To pattern Jesus' teaching, let's bless the bread and the cup. Hallelujah. Father,
You made a plan. You made a plan a long time ago. For now. You made a plan a long time ago that would affect me. That would affect the entire way I live my life. You made this plan for my grandparents. You made this plan for my parents, for myself, for my children, for my nieces, for my nephews, for my friends. All of us were on your mind. Thank you, Jesus, because you knew the plan and you didn't turn and run but rather came to obedience to hang on that cross. Tonight, Lord God, with these emblems in our hands, I ask you, bless them. Bless the bread, Lord God, to our bodies as your body was broken to make mine whole. And bless this cup, Lord God, to my soul and spirit as it was poured out to wash me clean from all my mire and sin. Bless the hands that hold the bread and the cup and equip them, Lord, to go and do your work. Bless the bodies that receive these emblems that we would receive your sacrifice, body, soul, and spirit. Pour out your blessing upon us, even now, Lord, as we partake. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our worship team to come forward and they're going to play a little bit of instrumental music for us. We're going to reflect tonight on the power of the cross. Romans 8.1 teaches us that there's no more condemnation. What's that mean for you? When Jesus came to obedience and hung on that cross, what of yours did he take with him? As the praise team plays, I'm going to invite all of you to come forward and take a slip of paper. We've got pens up here, a slip of paper. And I want you to write something that Jesus took from you 
on that slip of paper or something that you want to give Jesus tonight on that slip of paper and then just place it in that basket and we're going to hang them on this cross. So whether that's Jesus, I need you to take my pain whether that's Jesus, I need you to take this sin out of my life Jesus, I'm struggling with guilt tonight. And I want to hand it over to you once and for all. Come and nail it to this cross. Jesus, I have iniquity in my life. I'm dealing with a generational curse. And I want to lay this on this cross tonight. I have a struggle. I recognize that I'm full of wickedness. And I want to put it on this cross tonight. I have shortcomings. I'm full of shame. I have burdens. Just as you are. Come up. Write it down on a slip of paper and just put it in the basket. And then we're going to start loading this cross up. That was the whole, that, that was all of it. Jesus came and he, he took all of this from us. There's nothing too small for this cross there's nothing too big for this cross I hear him say, remind my children of who I am. I am Jehovah Jireh, their provider. I am Jehovah Rapha, the healer. I am Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. I'm Jehovah Shammah, God who is there. I am that I am. Praise you, Jesus. Yes.
there it is. Hanging on that cross. For you. All for you. Jesus doesn't want you to carry the burden. He doesn't want you to carry the sin, the shame, the struggle. <laughs> so the question is, what happened when Jesus hung on that cross when we bring our burdens to the foot of the cross and we say Jesus I have a lot on my mind there's too much that I'm dealing with I need you to take it from me he says, come to me if you're weary, heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. It only took one drop, one drop of the blood of the Lamb of God to erase our sins forever. Every last burden. Clap your hands. That's the power of Almighty God in your life. Celebrate Good Friday. Don't mourn it because Jesus is still alive. Your sins hung on that cross and he set you free. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you for that cross. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we can come and lay so much on you. Yes. Thank you for changing our lives. Mm. Thank you for changing our lives. Father, I don't know that there's anything else we can say, but thank you. You've done it all for us, Lord. You have done it all. And Father, my prayer right now for this entire assembly of believers is that we would be willing day after day to come to you and surrender. Because it's that simple. Your blood's already been shed. All we have to do is receive it. Lord, tonight, just as we nailed this all to the cross, we've witnessed the power of your blood in our day-to-day -day life. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In your holy name, amen. As the worship team comes to close us with song, I'll invite you to come to the altar if you'd like personal prayer. 
myself, Pastor Bob, and uh, any elders that are present will meet you here to pray. Come forward if you have need, and we'll meet you here.